It's Tuesday the 19th of September and you're listening to the Women's Football Talk podcast. Welcome back to the Women's Football Talk podcast. It is our second episode since we decided to do this. Mr Walsh, how are you? Yeah, not oh, too I, bad. Not too I, bad. Why well, I referred to you like a, a school teacher there, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it was uh, rather formal of you, yeah, but yeah, uh, busy last few days of the transfer window that we had, so I'm up and raring to talk about it all now. Yeah, I mean, I'm there as well, but like my week has ruined me. <laughs> the worst thing. Imagine the worst thing that can happen for content creators. You know, like. Your laptop breaking just before the start of football season when you needed to edit a load of stuff. Only us. It could only happen to me and us. It's ruined everything, but hopefully this will not derail any of our plans. Exactly. And it's better to happen to us now than later on in the future when we are bigger and better. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> don't put that straight away in case it doesn't. <laughs> You get this a lot. This man is an ambitious guy. Anyway, transfers. We decided, you know, with this podcast, let's rate each team's transfer window because I think mean, this would be one of the more intriguing transfer windows that we've seen in women's football and especially the WSL in recent memory. Yeah, I mean, a lot of business went down, uh, as we alluded to uh, last week, that there seemed to be a lot happened pre-World Cup and then not much happened uh, post-World Cup, obviously those teams still getting deals done, but it seems that last week, that um, before the deadline on Thursday evening, teams then started to ramp up and get deals done left, right and centre. Yeah, and we're going to take the time now to just analyse which team we think did better than most. Is there one mm-hmm. particular maybe needed a bit more? Well, we'll go into that, and I think it's only fair to go in alphabetical order, and we'll start, of course... With Arsenal, good window, solid window, (laughs) easy to say. Yes, very strong window addressed. I'd say 90% of their needs. The only uh, one thing I am slightly worried about is uh, the right back position, because obviously Laura Wienreuter most likely going to be out uh, for the rest of 2023 and probably... uh, maybe most of 2024 uh it like this season because of her acl injury uh so i think the depth there is something that maybe Jonas Underbell's side probably should have looked at but other than that i do think it's a really strong window from them yeah i think for the most part that they have actually sorted out short-term issues that they had in terms of mm-hmm. depth like defensively they brought in amanda illistet leia cordina they were they're very good additions. Illistet's probably the likelier of the two to start a, a bit more. She's effectively a Raffaele replacement. Yeah. By the looks of it, Kadena is more there to act as cover. Mm, and it's obviously still uh, got plenty of years on her. I think she's only 23, 22, 23. My memory serves me right. So uh, even if... Illustet only does like two, three years. Then got Kadena coming through more uh, experience time. And I do think these first 
well, half the season we'll expect to see maybe a centre-back pairing of Illustet and Robin Moy or uh, Illustet and um, Jen Beattie, I'd imagine. But Jen Beattie, you got to say, for the last few minutes, if you're in need of a winner, that's how it works. <laughs> Other than defensively, they, of course, made one of the biggest moves of the entire window as well. Alessia Russo was brought in on a free you would expect her to hit the ground running. Like she's shown the early signs of that in those two Champions League matches, scoring in both. This team is in need of goals. I, when doing the research, I, I saw it. I was a bit in awe because Freda Leonardson Mornham was their top goal scorer with nine goals in the in the WSL last season. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean. We saw uh, while she was fit, Vivian Miedemar play in a more uh, deeper position uh, last season uh, under Jonas compared to previous seasons under like Joe Montemura. So that was probably one line. And then Lena Hurtig just couldn't seem to stay fit for long enough throughout the season. So it doesn't really uh, surprise me too much that seeing uh, Frida Leonard Mornham was the top goal scorer. Uh, for them uh, at all um, but yeah I think bringing Rusa in obviously she knows the WSL well now coming, uh, this will be her second full season because I think she came in the January 2020 to Manchester United or the summer of 2020 so it's either year three fully or this is a two and a half uh, season barrier but even for her standards only scoring was it, I think it was 10 goals uh in all competitions maybe, or 10 in the WSL, um, it wasn't too strong from her. But yeah, I do think looking at this Arsenal side now, it is a bit more well-rounded than what it was last season. For someone like Russo, she needs quality, creative options around, and I think she's definitely going to have that with Arsenal. Mm. And I think also she's good enough to get others involved as well, because the hold-up play is also very good. If we're talking about squad set up how many options they have. They pulled off a big one on deadline day. This didn't happen before. Well, this wasn't even talked about when the podcast came out last week. Kyra mm. Cooney Cross is now a gunner. Yeah, that one really came out of the blue. No one at all was expecting that one. Um, like you say, just randomly out of the blue on deadline day. They were never There'd linked been... <laughs> until then. Uh, there would have been rumours earlier on in the summer linking her with uh, a potential move to Chelsea for uh, the January window because her contract at Hammerby, as a lot of uh, Swedish contracts do, they run until uh, December based on how the Swedish uh, league works. Uh, so a contract with Hammerby was running until the 31st of December. So there had been strong suggestions that she would have joined Chelsea on a free transfer from January the 1st. But next thing you know, Arsenal have pulled off a massive coup in getting her. Yeah, and she's a player that has a lot of potential. It's interesting to see where she fits in to that midfield. You'd think it's more or less a similar role to Mornham. Unless yeah, I'm wrong. I think, I think it, it will be very similar to how uh, Mornham plays and you will just be like having that more rotational option so they're not having to rely on her as much as they did last season. Yeah, uh, with that I think we can start because what we want to do with each team is give them a racing out of 10 for their transfer window. So 
Shall I go first? Because I've given Arsenal an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I was going to say 8.5 out of 10. Um, Not perfect, but good mm, enough for what they needed. Yeah, I mean, they haven't really lost many players. Um, I'm just having a look at the article that we put out last Friday. If you want to check that out, head over to our uh, website, womensfootballtalk.substack.com. Yeah, so they didn't really lose many players. Obviously, the big one they lost was... Uh, Raffaele going out, uh, Anna Patton leaving as well. And then it was just a lot of youngsters going out on loans for this season. So I think it's not too bad, but I think if we, if they got that right back, which I think could be a bit of their problem this season, then I think that could have been a high nine, maybe 10 out of 10. But yeah, I think eight, eight and a half is definitely the place to sit with Arsenal. Maybe the right back situation is somewhat they'll realise come January. OK, we've got to solve that. Yeah. But anyway, moving on to a team we should really be talking about, and that's Aston Villa. Because is this another transfer window where the recruitment is a simple idea? Who can we sign that improves the quality of our squad? Van Domsela, Lucy Parker, Ebony Salmon, Adriana Leon. Whether starting or acting as cover options, they are all upgrades on what the team had last season. And a lot of those yeah. players have left the club as well. Mm-hmm. Now, it's such a phenomenal window from uh, Carl Ward and the board at Aston Villa. Uh, he's, like, them signings uh, are absolutely brilliant. And then being able to convert Anna Patton and Kirsty Hansen's loans into permanent as well, it's just absolutely top, top draw from Villa. No disrespect to the players that have left Villa, but some of them injury uh, a lot last season coming towards like the mid 30s and the squad's got more youthful uh, and I think it's got a lot lot better yeah I I was thinking about this as well we went to the opening game against Leicester I want to say it was it was two or three years ago was it Manson no no before we went to one was that even the opening day I feel like it was it was against Leicester it may well have been a couple of years ago now. The squad from then to now, different. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure the only ones left, like Layman, Sarah Maley. Yeah, uh, that's it, all I can remember. I'm, I'm bound to have missed one. <laughs> it's going to be mm. criminal of me, but oh, I can't recall any of us other than that. The turnaround in players and quality as well is different, and it shows that the team's trying to show a bit of ambition with their women's team. Mm. Definitely, definitely. It's like a fifth place finish. Last season, you, you may have gone, OK, that was a bit unexpected. But obviously, that was thanks to Rachel Daly scoring 22 goals, wasn't it, last season? I think it was that, yes. Uh, and obviously winning the golden boot. But And so you think, oh, is that just a one-off look? But no, you look at the investment of signings this summer, you're like, OK, that's actually not a one-off plan. They've got a plan to be a predominant top five. Uh, side over the next couple of years and try and potentially break into that top four. Yeah, and this time last week as well, we did the first episode we were talking about. Maybe the only concern is what if Daly gets injured and then here's the cover up front. Well, the, clearly Carl Award is a listener <laughs> because the job is done. Ebony Salmon and Adriana Leone in there to yeah. act as cover. Well, the, Ebony Salmon, she's played with Rachel Daly. Yes. Both at the Houston Dash. Yes. 
I was, I'm trying, I was trying to think, did their timelines overlap? I think very briefly. Like the season before Daily Council or someone gathered that have played with each other? But... I'm just trying to think because uh, whilst over there she was at Racing Louisville, uh, that's Ebony Summon, that is. So uh, I'm trying to work out in my head would they have played or would they have just missed each other? Yeah, that's all for other people to work. <laughs> yeah, but to the writing that I'll give in Villa, uh, it's a nine out of ten from me. Yeah, uh, I'd have to agree. I think a lot better players in good depth as well. Um, I don't really see any bad points from that. It is really nine, nine and a half because it was such a strong window from them, and I don't want to be giving out ten straight away because we obviously. Some of these signings may come back and I'll, not I'm prepared well. to give a spoiler. I haven't got a single 10. Okay. I, I, I think I've actually been slightly... I think I've been fair. I haven't been harsh, I don't think. I've not gone anyone mm. like low. <laughs> I think everyone's done all right in their own way, but some teams have got lower than others, obviously. Uh, Booby yes. got... Actually, did you say your rating? I, I agreed with the nine. No, okay. Is this what you do? Mm. I give mine, you just agree. No. I genuinely think I'm. I'm. Tr- I was trying to think of like. Gonna, as long as we disagree on Manchester United, I don't care. That's fine. Yeah. Anyway, to Brighton and Hove Albion, the first full season at the club for Melissa Phillips. Nine players left in that window, and ten of them bought in. So a bit of change, a lot of movements, and I think there's a chance their business could work out very well for them. Yeah, I said it uh, last week on the podcast. I was very. Uh, pleased with the business they've done and even to close the window uh, really really good window from uh, Melissa Phillips side bringing in obviously two goalkeepers Nikki Everard on loan from Chelsea and then permanently signing uh, Sophie Bagley from Manchester United a good uh, keeper and I think that's going to be a really interesting competition between the two uh, this season, who will get the number one spot? I'd imagine it would be Nicky Everard for most of the season, obviously, apart from when they play uh, Chelsea, which I believe is one of their first four or five games this season. So, uh, Sophie Bagley will have to play that one, obviously, because you're not allowed to play against your parent club 90% of the time, unless there's some sort of agreement. But other transfers, uh, yeah, I think Paulina Bremer coming in, Vicky Lasada, uh, obviously. More experienced players than uh, some of the other players they they bought in, but still you need that experience in a team. And uh, Paulina Bremer and Vicky Lasada will definitely offer that. I was surprised you didn't say Maria Forrestier and Tatiana Pinter in amongst that as well. It's experience as well as quality. Yeah, it's for me. I think they've probably had such a big upgrade in terms of windows because a lot of the players that they've let go likes of Kaylee Green, Danielle Carter, Victoria Williams, they were just like, they were good, but it felt like if they were kept on at Brighton, it would have been a similar story to last season. And I think the players that they've brought in this season, uh, you've got a strong feeling that they will improve Brighton and we won't be seeing them fighting for uh, survival as much as we did last season. It's a tough decision to make, but you almost have to think right if we want to push on a bit more we have to make this hard decision and move on from some of these players yeah definitely and it's clear from the signings uh both in and out that melissa phillips has got her own identity that she's wanting to put across on 
these that's why I think so many uh, incomings and outgoings this summer from Brighton. I think if we look in uh, the January transfer window coming up or in 12 months time from the summer, we I would probably expect a bit of a quieter window from uh, Brighton because we will have had Melissa Phillips, obviously, as long as she doesn't get sacked, uh, then she will be coming into her second season at the club. Yeah, I wanted to give a mention as well to the Sydney FC trio that they signed as well. Mackenzie Hawksby, Madison Haley and Charlize Rule. So, yeah, wants to keep an eye on as well. Uh, yeah. My rating for Brighton is at an eight out of ten as well. For me, it's an eight and a half. I think maybe cusp of nine. I think they've brought in a lot of good quality players. Uh, you would budge up to a nine depending on how they do come Christmas time, I would be willing to change that rating. But yeah, eight and a half, definitely very good window. Uh, and yeah, I can't complain too much from that, from Brighton. Yeah, well, guess what? You ain't going to be able to change that rating. This is a one-time only thing. And you're out there <laughs> forever with what you say, as with me. <laughs> and moving to Bristol City, next promotion to the WSL last season. We'll see teams come up. They allowed a vast number of players into the squad. And that's purely also because they decided to let a few go as well. That hasn't really changed with Bristol City. But I do think some of the signings that they've made are OK. Yeah, I mean, uh, signing Carrie Jones from Manchester United, I think that's an absolute brilliant deal. I mean, what we saw of her last season on loan at Leicester City, she was such a quality player for them. And... As a Man United fan, I'm really sad to see her leave. I mean, it's understandable because I think her game time is going to be limited or would have been limited at Man United with the signings that they've made. But she's such a really good talent. Um, obviously, also bringing in Jess Simpson, the young defender on loan from Manchester United. Uh, I'm interested to see how she goes on. But yeah, I think some of the other signings for a promoted team, they've done uh, really solid business. And I think I like as well that Brooke Aspin has stayed on loan for the season mm-hmm. after she joined Chelsea as well. Then there's the added experience of Megan Connolly, Satara Murray as well. It's always going to be difficult for Bristol City. I think transfer window always there is only so much you can do when you're the new team. Yeah. Like, I think it's the resources, be, isn't it? Yeah. What also seems to be Bristol City's plan early on in the window wasn't about signings or letting players go. It was about tying their players down to new contracts. So that in case this time next year they're not in the WSL, they have got these players all on, I think, two-year deals until like 2025, some maybe into 2026. So there's they've got that bit of security, uh, which I think was really key. I mean, signing Abby Harrison uh, to a new deal, uh, the Scottish International just absolutely tore up the championship last season. And uh, I think she could have potentially moved uh, this summer had Bristol City not got her on a new deal. So while signings may have started off a bit quiet for them, I think getting those players tied down uh, it was really key for them. So the rating, I've given them a 7 out of 10. Um, I think it's purely just because, yeah, I know they, there is a, a limit, I guess, to the quality of the signings they can realistically bring in. Mm. But I still think 7 is solid enough. Yeah, I was on an hour in between six and a half, six to seven, like that range as well, because it's obviously they're not world beating players that you're going to go, okay, these are going to light up the WSL, but it's 
solid middle of the road players that can help them uh and it's just about waiting to see how well they perform uh in this squad so yeah six six and a half for me yeah uh, speaking of someone who isn't at, at that level we're talking higher up now the champions chelsea Every year as the champions, you still feel the need to look for upgrades and improvements because you know rivals are doing that as well. So it's just the normal things to look for strength in depth, which is what Chelsea absolutely wanted if they wish to have success, not just in the WSL, but cup competitions again. Are they going to go strong in the FA Cup again? Chelsea's business has been good again. Yeah, really, really solid business. I mean got a lot of their business done during the back end of last season so they were actually one of the quieter teams when it came round to the uh, windows starting I mean we already knew what Ashley Lawrence was done Katarina Curry I think was quite an early one Nikki Everard was uh, signed again really early uh, if not towards the end of last season so it's not really surprising that when it actually came to the start of the transfer window they were quieter compared to the rest of the league but it's because they got their business done so so early but yeah quality signings from Emma Hayes' side. Defensive depth was probably their main concern because when we saw towards the end of the season Buchanan and Millie Bright went out the defensive cover was very light in as, as we saw and maybe they've rectified that now they've added Ashley Lawrence in the place of Ericsson and then outside of that, you have to look at who replaces Penella Harder, maybe because like is it is it Katarina Macaria? Is it as simple as that, or is she is there still a question mark over her fitness after she's coming back from a very long ACL injury? Yeah, I think she will be one that will be eased back into the squad. But I think adding uh, the American youngster as well, uh, Mia Fischel, I think she's going to be one that will play that like midfield forward type role, uh, potentially like the Penilla Harder, Guru Wrighton type role throughout the season. So uh, I think it'll be one where we see Macario slowly eased back into the uh, football and into Chelsea's starting 11. But I, I don't think that's too much of a worry because if you remember, uh, Penilla Harder was injured for quite a while last season, actually, wasn't she? I think from like October through to March time, if I was remember correctly. Yeah, that was the thing that was intriguing me about it, because losing Harder, you then lose a player who, when she then came in, Chelsea just dumped on beatable at that point because, oh, Sam Kerr's not scoring, it's fine. Here's Penilla Harder. But, uh, Depressing yeah, for think... the rest of us. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think as the season goes on, uh, it will be Macario and Fischl that will be interchanging a lot. And then, again, I think a thing for Chelsea this year will be, can they get a, and um, we can speak on this in the preview more, is can Fran Kirby stay fit for a season? Yeah, I think I, away from Chelsea for a second, I think just for her, I'd like to see. Mm, it has been a bit uh, sad the last couple of years with her injuries, but if they can get her fit as well, then that is another forward line option that they have available. Yeah, and... Um... Oh, we gave him an 8 out of 10. Uh, I don't even know what to say. Cause it's like yeah, that's why I the... gave it an 8. It was a bit like, hmm, is it? Oh, it's good. It's not perfect. Because I feel like they've signed for the future as well, because they've bought in um, Vika Captain from SC20, but she's obviously been loaned back to them for this season. 
Alejandro Bernabe is quite young, Macario, Aspin, Fischl. Like, it's definitely more of overall Chelsea. I feel like this is more of a building for the future type thing. So eight, nine is where I would go with that because um, I think Ericsson and Penilla Harder could be big losses for them. But it's how can their replacements do in this season? And obviously, another one with Ericsson's uh, replacement at the back line is they've got uh, Anika Nowen back from her loan in AC Milan as she went out in January. Uh, so I think that's rotation in the back line. Will it be Lawrence? Will it be Bryce, Buchanan, Nowen? Like, they're not short of options back there. Mara Mialda as well. Yeah. Still fits in that role. I also forgot to mention the signing of Sierka Nuskin. Have I said the first name right? <laughs> Take a guess at that one. Uh, yeah, I think it's Sierka, Sierka. I apologise either way. <laughs> either way, she caught a few eyes in pre-season. Mm-hmm. What could, if we could expect from her? I think, again, it's one that we won't probably see as much of her this first season as she just gets acclimatised to the WSL. Uh, but yeah, definitely a midfielder for the future. So uh, really excited to see how she can do over the next 12, 18 months. I think it's going to be a very slow embedding process for her, uh, but she has definitely caught the eye and will be one to watch for a few years at uh, Chelsea, but I wouldn't expect her to be rushed straight into the starting 11 personally. Yeah, well, I'm going to move to the next team. That's Everton. Very interesting window, but I don't think it's for all good reasons. I think it's been a bit mixed for them, if I'm honest. I, I don't know if you feel the same way about that. Yeah, I mean, so they're going into their second season under Brian Sorensen now. The signings they've made have gone, OK, I can understand this one, I can understand this, that and the other. But to me, it again, I feel like they're just going to be another mid-table Everton. But then you look at that deadline deal sale of Gabby George to Manchester United, which obviously they had no control of because she had a release clause in her contract, reportedly. Uh, and then you're like, well, that's a massive hole that they've lost in their back line now. Yeah, and Reiki Sevecki as well, left in the transfer window. Mm-hmm. So defensively, they are a bit short. I mean, uh, the signing of Martina Piemonte up top, I really like that. She was uh, really good at AC Milan. Uh, in a couple of years there and she knows how to score the goal so that gives them a bit of rotation up front between her catchy snowish uh, and obviously you're getting Tony Duggan back now after her maternity leave last season uh, so there's good options up top obviously being able to sign Emily Ramsey on a permanent deal after her contract at Man United ended um, so yeah I think they've done some good business but I do think that deadline day sale of Gabby George is going to hurt them a lot. Yeah, I'd agree on the positive side of things that you mentioned then. I would have added Justine Van Havermaet as well. They signed from Reading. She was one of the standouts for them last season, I thought. I mean, that wasn't too hard, though, because Reading were quite poor last season. Well, I mean, really poor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was trying not to be so harsh, but you carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got to tell the truth when it was like that. But yeah, I think we'll see... Uh, Van Havermet's like true potential when it comes to like set pieces because she's got obviously that bit of extra height compared to a lot of the other midfielders at Everton and uh, the rest of the WSL and I think it's going to be 
really uh, beneficial to have her in there. And I think she was really, she was like the standout player in a poor Reading team last season. So it's a good signing, but how will she fit into this uh, Everton team? Because I think like midfield wasn't really too much of a, a thing they needed to do. Obviously they lost uh, Izzy Christensen who has retired, but I still think they had some good quality players in that midfield. Yeah, I need to see this Everton team in full. And I'll definitely do that ahead of next week. And then I can get a better understanding of how they look now going into this season. Because right now, I'm same as you, I've got them mid-table, maybe lower. They're not yeah. relegation, but they're around lower middle of the pack, I think, now. Don't want to give this right. <laughs> uh, go ahead. You go first. I it would have been uh, a seven but losing Gabby George, I think that's kind of, it's such a big loss. I think it has to go down to a six, just because the defensive cover I'm really worried about now. I went lower. Oh, Jesus. I, I, I went five. I was thinking, because yeah. there are the positive sides, but that negative is, it, it outweighs it. Yeah, it really does. So, yeah, five out of ten. Next, we want to talk Leicester City. Uh, some, were there, some went down. For them, in terms of outgoings, uh, only 16 players left the club. <laughs> One of those being Ashley Plumcher, who was a big player for them. And mm-hmm. so in the World Cup as well, she was very good. We expected her to get a European move, but she went to Al Itihad in Saudi Arabia, yeah. which is a surprising one. But look, I'm sure she has reasons for that. And I think as much as we want to talk on Saudi Arabia at the time, will come for that, I feel. Potentially. But this isn't the podcast for that one. That that That's a different podcast in itself. The one that mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll cover when it, we get there. But no signings made in, as in, in Cummings. Janina Leitzig is one of them. She's black. She's there to stay this time. I expect her to be key yeah. for Leicester, just as much as she was when she was on loan last season. She was incredible for him. Yeah, I mean, ended up winning... Uh, player of the season and players player of the season I believe because uh, of how fantastic she was. Uh, a full season under Willie Kirk as well now uh, for the whole Leicester team so we saw when he came in there was massive improvements in that side so yeah I think really interesting to see how uh, Leicester do. A lot of outgoings like you said uh, and nine new signings, quite solid signings as well actually yeah, I don't think they're too bad. Courtney Nevin also signed on a permanent deal. So it was the other ones, Janice Cayman, Deanne Rose, they're the standouts. It feels like Leicester are looking for multiple styles because from what I've researched on Deanne Rose, she's meant to be very, very quick. Is that something oh, that Leicester can utilise well in the WSL? Yeah, definitely can do. I mean, uh, she was a bit injury hit last season at Reading but is an absolute phenomenal player. Uh, and she has got that electric pace, which will definitely help uh, the forward line of uh, Leicester. And I also think an interesting signing that they made was signing uh, Lisa Cobb from, or as a free agent, as she technically left Ajax. I think her contract was ended. Uh, so they've got really uh, good battle for goalkeepers between Janina Leipzig and uh, Lisa Cobb, both signing two-year deals. So, uh, yeah, that's... An, Interesting battle I'm keen to see. I mean, you'd expect Leipzig to be the starter, but it's a really good backup option to have. 
Yeah, but the key thing for Leicester is, do we have enough of a quality squad now to say we're not going to be around the relegation this season? In terms of the rating, I gave them a seven. I think I'm going to go with a 6.5 because it's good signings, but I think it's going to take a while to get fully settled in because of losing so many players. I think that's going to be something that is... uh, these first couple of weeks, it's going to be really key to see how they settle in these new signings and how they play uh, without, a, I mean, a lot of outgoings at Leicester City. So I think six and a half uh, for me. Yeah, I didn't really think about that too much, if I'm being honest. I just looked at those players and thought they look like they're a bit of quality than what they had. So you would hope that they are a slightly improved team this time around. Moving on to another team that I think has slightly improved this time around, that's Liverpool. A busy summer for them as well. A couple of incomings that I feel improved them in certain areas. Natasha Flint and Grace Fisk coming into the the team with WSL experience. I like the addition of Sophie Roman Haug. Yeah, I think Roman Haug will definitely help the goal scoring options out. I mean, we saw it for Norway in the World Cup where she scored a hat-trick in the one game for them. The one bright spark in a lacklustre Norway team, if we're being honest, for the most part. Definitely. Uh, I think she will be a standout player for um, that Beard side this summer. Uh, Again, like you say, Grace Fisk coming in, uh, Natasha Flint got that WSL experience, definitely improves uh, Liverpool. Again, another side like Leicester that uh, saw a lot of departures. Yeah, I was going to say, one of those being Katie Stengel, who left surprisingly, which left to the Roman Howe signing. Mm. Uh, yeah, because she was initially just on loan at Gotham FC in the NWSL, but they then managed to change that to a permanent transfer towards the end of the window. So she was such a big player for Liverpool when she played for, uh, before going out on loan. So it is a big loss for uh, Liverpool. But overall, I think good business from them, and you can, like I said, like you said, you can see the improvement there from this team. Yeah, the thing with Roman Hag as well, I think she's a big upgrade actually on Katie Stengel, who she had her moments, but is she, was she going to score ten goals plus in a season? Like, if if you want to aim higher in this league, you have to have a striker that is capable of doing that. I feel. Yeah, definitely. And Roman Hag, if she gets the opportunities maybe the potential is there to do that i actually gave liverpool also a seven out of ten yeah seven out of ten strong um i'd have to agree with that good incomings but again like leicester the outgoings how much will that play a factor into their season get because of losing quite a lot of key players and will these new players settle in quickly enough yeah now i, I wonder what we're gonna say well, what you're going to say on this one, actually, because Manchester City, did they forget that there was a transfer window? Well, they didn't, because they like, they were the quietest team. And yet, correct me if I'm wrong, did they make the most expensive deal? Either them or Man United, I don't know how much the fee was, was in the end. She was 400k, weren't she? Yeah. Okay, it's so a WSL yeah, they record. The most expensive like, it's definitely mm-hmm. the, the biggest WSL signing. The big thing around Jill Ward, I give her a name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly, what are we Arsenal fans? <laughs> but 
the big thing around her will be whether she can adapt back to the WSL after she left a couple of years ago. She should fit into that team. Yeah, I mean, for me, the main thing about Man City last season was they didn't seem to have a replacement for Georgia Stanway, who had gone over to Germany. But I do think this signing of Jill Rod does fill that uh, hole in. Maybe. A bit. It was weird last season because they'd made all those signings. And then when we saw them on the opening day of the season, they looked out of it completely. They just were not a good side to watch, even though they did score three goals. So it was off completely. Yeah, it took them a while to get going, though, didn't it? Cause, I mean, I think it was late. They, can't, can't say they had a bad season. They went on like a long winning streak. Yeah, I think 12, 13 games unbeaten. Like they, we were talking about them as title challengers. There was just, I don't know, there's something about this Man City team that I felt like they needed something else other than dual road in. Yeah, it feels like defensively maybe the quality, another quality option. Mm. Right. What I've never got as a, since I've started following women's football in all these years, why don't they flex the spending power? They do it in I the mix game. Why don't they do it here? I think we will see within the next two to three years uh, and that's an interesting question I'm going to put to the listeners and to you as well. I've just always who, wondered, it's baffled me. They used to like win the league a lot. They looked like they cared, but they've never like gone crazy with money. No, I mean, I think Probably a lot. a good thing, <laughs> honest, but like, it's, it's always just struck me. Yeah, especially in the last couple of years. I mean, Jill Rood coming in for 400k, obviously being the WSL record, but the rest of the signings that they've made have not gone oh, this is going to get them back to winning the title, does it? No, I don't. Well, like, if this team, as we saw it last season, really comes together, it really does click. Mm. Like, Body Shaw, Farring, Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly are at their best. If Jill Rod is at her best in this team, they're going to be threatening. Yeah, definitely are going to be a very dangerous team. But I don't know, to me, there's still a bit of like question marks of can they actually break that top three and... Are they a better side on paper than Arsenal or Chelsea, who I would expect many people have up as title favourites this season? Well, that's for next week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, like they made one transfer this whole window. Yeah, one. Like, in, we, um, we had to talk about the whole team in general with this one. Uh, Basic because they only made one signing, I decided to be harsh and gave him a six. I think it's a five. But genuinely, Jill Rod's a quality oh. signing and I think she can definitely fill in that Georgia Stanway role that was missing for them last season. But it doesn't scream like I don't think Jill Rod's gonna be the missing piece to the puzzle that will get them winning the league again. I wanna say this is Man United fan pettiness from you. <laughs> no, it's not even though, because like uh, even if it is, I I admire it. To me there's just too much not enough quality elsewhere on that pitch to go, okay, this one signing is all Man City needed to get back challenging for the WSL title. I think there's still a lot more to do. And I think the other teams that finished above them this season have strengthened really well as well. So it it doesn't really make sense why they only signed Rold. Interesting to hear from Man City fans on that one. But now we can hear the thoughts of this guy on his own team because next is Manchester United. A week ago, right, we were here, we were saying... What's going on? <laughs> What's going on? We wasn't sure what to think about a team that finished second. They have an opportunity to play in the Champions League for the first time ever. 
they let key players leave for free without replacing them for a while. And then in the space of a week, everything has just started to come together a little bit, dare I say. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit worrying uh, from the offset. You see the likes of Russo and Onabatieko, obviously the two key players you were talking about there. And then as the window went on, there was players leaving left, right and centre. You're like, OK, what's going on? And then it was a while where Gemma Revens uh, was the only signing. Yes, uh, Evie Rabjohn was done back in April, but uh, she's only 18 years old. So that really didn't count uh, towards this window. But... It was like, okay, I don't see what United's plan is here. How are they trying to improve and either maintain that second place or try and challenge Chelsea for the title? But then as we came towards these last few weeks, you're like, okay, we can see they're coming up with some plans and then they've got the signings in now. And I think it is overall uh, a good set of incoming signings from them. Yeah, I think they are quality, if I'm honest, looking at the list of them. Playing devil's advocate, though. As I like to do with you when it comes to Manchester United. <laughs> was it all panic buying towards the end? I don't know whether it was panic buying. I feel like, uh, I don't know whether we've, oh, I haven't seen any quotes from Mark Skinner personally, but whether it was a bit like the men's team that they just take too long to get the deals done. So may there may have been targets for a long time, but it was just getting the deals done that just seemed to be taking forever personally. I think that's nice. what might be looking at. If I want to talk about Manchester United as a whole club, I'm going to need another hour. <laughs> I would to need another podcast in itself if we're talking women's and men's team, that whole club. Just, yeah, just give a whole me essay year. needs to be done on that club right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, um, with that, though, mm-hmm. I love the transfers they've done. The depth is something that I can question, but I'd rather do the full research first before properly going into all of that. I think a lot of what United have done with the transfers relies on them, how they're going to adapt. And to be honest, if they want to be in the title challenge again, they have to adapt quick. Because mm-hmm. everyone else, it's, they're so perfect. Like Chelsea, you can't afford to slip up against them. Yeah, like When you play them, you have to beat them. Yeah, and that's been Man United's main sticking point uh, so far in terms of challenging for the title is trying to get that win against Chelsea. It just hasn't come yet in the WSL, so I think that's a real uh, big problem for them. But yeah, I mean, they've got a lot of new players to the WSL. I mean, only Gabby George, Gemma Evans and Evie Rabjohn have WSL experience of some sort. Everyone else is coming to a new league uh, so it is how quickly can they adapt to the league? I mean, they bought in the top goal scorer from the World Cup in Hinata Miyazawa. I mean, that is just absolutely phenomenal uh, signing. But can she adapt to the WSL quickly enough and show what she was capable of doing at the World Cup here in England? Yeah, there's all the signs points of JC Ferreira like, fitting in well. I saw the yeah. clips from the Liverpool pre-season friendly. Yeah, she looks good. Yeah, she looks like she's going to absolutely destroy defences this season. <laughs> and then you'll lose her in a couple of years. <laughs> oh, gosh, please, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, with all that, though, all joking aside, I gave them an 8 out of 10. For me, uh, it's a 7. I think I was a lot more generous. <laughs> I actually think that some of the departures... While some of these players may not have played key roles in the team, I think they are 
the depth is going to be a bit of an issue. I mean, obviously, we all knew Russo and Batier were going, but then to lose uh, Forrest Atier, losing Vildebo Risa, losing Martha Thomas, like the options then that you're just like, okay, I'm just trying to think of if one or two of the players at United get injured, how is Mark Skinner going to be uh, lining up and how does he uh, go about changing the 11 so that it's not very injury prone? Plus, if they were to get into the group stages of the Champions League, which they've got to be PSG to do so over two legs, is that then like you're obviously playing more matches? So I think the depth is going to be something that it's going to be intriguing to look at and that's why I think it's just a seven could go up to an eight yeah uh, with that we can move on Tottenham could this have been better I think it should have been better but at the same time getting a new manager in it feels like quite I can't remember when he signed Robert Villeman it feels like it wasn't that long ago was it so it's all had to come together pretty quickly and of course since the pod happened Beth England is out for we don't know how long. A period they, of time. Yeah, that t- doesn't tell us <laughs> much info, yeah. to be honest. And with that, they had to go and make a last-minute signing. Martha Thomas was signed from, from Manchester United. I don't mm, worry, I mean, worry for Tottenham a little bit if it doesn't click. Yeah, for me, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see them back down in a relegation scrap. I mean, obviously, new manager and everything, uh, but Losing Beth England to a long-term injury is going to be really key. I mean, she was their top goal scorer last season and she only joined in January. I think the rest of the next top goal scorers had like two or three goals between them in the WSL. So that's like a big, big uh, worry for them. I mean, Martha Thomas, we know she's capable of scoring goals, uh, both from her time at Manchester United and previously at uh, West Ham. But there's... A lot of question marks over this team this season, I feel. Yeah, and while they've brought, they brought like a good number of players, I think, to help for, with depth, a lot of them are relatively unknown. Uh, personally, I've never heard of Luana Bueller before she signed. Obviously, Grace Clinton, Man United fans will know of, uh, and Everton and Bristol City, she was last season, I think it was. You uh, brought it up early before. Yeah, oh, she's a really good uh, midfielder and I'm hoping she gets a chance at Manchester United next 24-25 uh, season because I think she's a really good midfielder. And then the other signings they've made, I mean, Olga Artinen, not really much is known of her. Barbara Votikova, who was a backup keeper in Paris last season or a keeper in Paris last season with PSG. She's then, probably uh, the number one now considering that they've sold Corbella. I mean, it would be between her and Becky Spencer. And then, yeah, then again, maybe uh, Becky Spence has probably just edged it. Yeah, and then you've got the uh, Zhang Linyan, who they've signed on loan, but doesn't it turn up until uh, October after the Asian game. So, yeah, question marks over this team, and because yeah. a lot of it is unknown, like you said. Yeah, I gave them six, but I'm now yes. thinking maybe it's a five, actually. Yeah, to me, I think it's a five. I mean... Losing Beth England, Martha Thomas, is she going to get the goals whilst England is out? Yes, they're going to be having Ellie Brazil back from her ACL injury. I think there's too many unknowns to go higher than a five for me on Spurs. Yeah, I think 
slightly generous for that six. It's definitely a five out of ten. I gave Everton a five. This is definitely a five. The way we've talked mm. about it. And finally, we're down to West Ham. New manager at the Ham Brown Skinner is in. I dare say they're in a little bit of a similar spot to Spurs. Oh, yeah. I think they're 100% the same spot. Again, manager coming quite late in the summer. So that signings were really held up. So we don't know what to expect. I mean, again, personally, I only know two of the signings. Emma Harry's from Reading, really good striker. And I think that's a really big, big signing for them. Uh, and obviously, uh, Megan Walsh, who left Brighton and Hope Albion in the summers. Again, very good signing for I think the big loss for West Ham this season will be uh, Agni Brunia's Dupier. She hasn't left the club, but uh, she announced that she's pregnant, so she won't be playing this season. So that is a big, big loss for the Hammers this uh, coming season. Yeah, that's huge for them. They haven't really replaced her, I don't think, in terms of the quality that she brought to that West Ham side. What's that I, I do like you hadn't mentioned? Rico Ueki, who was a bit of a star in that Japan team from the World Cup, as well as like with Miyazawa, Hasegawa. Like, there's a player there with her. If you think maybe she regu- she will regularly play, can she add the goals for this West Ham team that maybe keep them away from relegation? I mean, that's a lot to ask for of Ueki. Uh, definitely a good player, uh, like we saw at that World Cup, but it is just about how can she settle into this West Ham team and settle into English football, maybe take a bit of time. So I wouldn't put all that sort of pressure on her straight away. I think it's she needs time to settle in, especially coming from uh, Japanese leagues. Yeah, Uh Oh god, the rating. It feels like again we talked about it like we have to give them a five, but no, I I think they are a six. I think just for the Ueki signing because I think there is a very good player there. Mm, I think for me it's a five point five. I mean losing both Lucy Parker and Grace Fisk, as well as uh, long term captain Kate Longhurst as well. Like I think they're going to be big misses for West Ham this season. So I don't really think I can put, and I think they are going to be like Spurs down in a relegation battle. So 5.5 for me. Very interesting. And yeah, with that, that is the end of this podcast. Pretty much. We've yeah. we've gone through everybody. It's not like last week where we could have reviewed maybe some of the matches. This was a little bit different. We'll be back to that sort of schedule after not next week, but probably the week after when the season fully kicks into gear. The WSL's back. The excitement's ramping up. I just need a laptop. I'm desperate. I'm working on an old computer here that's not doing me well. I hope the audio comes through. No, you sounded fine for me. But we've only got to wait another 13 days until the WSL's back anyway. It's too long. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, do you want to sign off? Because I've completely forgot. <laughs> Uh, well thank you for listening to this week's episode if you want to go back and listen to uh, last week's make sure you follow us on all podcast platforms just type in women's football talk and uh, it should come up there Uh, make sure you're following us on twitter and on instagram women's football talk for all the latest news and stories from there we'll have regular updates uh, on there and our website womensfootballtalk.substack.com where we'll be posting articles and all different stuff throughout the season there and until next week it's goodbye from me 
wait, I was just saying, because the videos, hopefully everything will be sorted middle of this week. Videos will be back to normal by Thursday, hopefully. But with that, that is the end. Thanks for listening. Cheers. See ya.